Yep, it's the start of a new week and we are back again with another edition of the Celtic View podcast. I'm Ryan Marr and as ever, I am joined by our Celtic View editor, Paul Cuddehy. And Paul, it was a, it was a, a different weekend for all the Celtic teams. Um, obviously Celtic getting the 3-0 victory against Livingston, defeats for the women's team and the B team. But in terms of that game against Livingston, I suppose that's where we're, we're going to start with this. It's one of those venues that... It's always a tricky place to go, so to get three points and to get a result like that makes for a happy weekend. Yeah, I think it's as strong a performance as we've seen there for a while. I think it's interesting that I was thinking, obviously last season, the first game there, we lost. Then the next game, we, we had a really good performance, 1-3-1. And I always think, you know, the manager, whether it's we're playing at Livingston, we're playing at Kilmarnock, whatever the circumstances are, he always makes a point of saying, well, there's no excuses, we go, we play you know, we're, we're not a team that's ever going to make excuses. And so I think he's ruled that out for the team so that they go there knowing that the manager expects them to play the way that we want, he wants us to play. And I thought you saw that yesterday. I thought it was absolutely dominant. Livingston barely troubled Joe Hart. I thought we just controlled the game. We scored three goals, could have been more. And it, it was, as I say, as comfortable at a ground where physically they can be quite challenging. The pitch obviously plays a part, but I, I just think this team now know what the manager expects and they delivered it. Yeah, we're gonna, we've started in the Livingston game, we're going to continue in that, but we've got plenty coming up in this podcast episode because we've got the big game against Real Madrid to preview as well as all the weekend's action as the first team face Dundee United and there's also games for the B team as well against Real Madrid and against Broomhill. Plus, we have an exclusive interview with, with Moritz Jens, so there's all that to look forward to. And we have the predictions game at the end, which last week we didn't really do too well in, but we'll we'll get to that. Um, so yeah, just focusing on, on that Livingston game, 3-0, uh, you've kind of touched on it there. Goals for Kyogo, for Greg Taylor, and then from, from Jota at the end. I suppose if you were to pick a moment from that game that stands out from you, what would it, what would it be? It's very hard, actually, I think. I think there were so many moments. I think Greg Taylor scoring second game in a row and also marking his 100th appearance with a goal. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. I think he, this season, has been superb. I think he's really developed under the manager. I think that he thrives in that role. And I think even in the last few weeks since Callum McGregor's been out injured, I've just got that feeling as, he's, as if he's almost stepped up and thought, well, I'm one of the senior players. I really need to, to lead here. I think his performances have got even better. You know, he also provided the assist for Kyogo's goal as well. But then you've also got the likes of, you know, Jota comes back, which is great to see him back, and he marks that with a goal as well. So um, I'd probably, if I had to pick one moment, it would be Greg Taylor's stunning strike to, to put his 2 0 up. Yeah, I, I think I would I'd have to agree. I don't think I can look too, too much further away from that. The fact that he's 100th appearance is a milestone in itself. But the fact he's contributing with goals now, and he had a chance about four or five minutes before that, which was almost identical, um, and he, he went close as that. And then the second time, he only had one thought in his mind, ran up, smashed it, two now up. And as you mentioned, he is his energy levels, his fitness levels have always been there. But now he really has shown a real high level of consistency in his performances. He seems to be the type of player, I think he said it in his post-match interview to Dalen, that the way the manager wants to play just really suits him down to a tee. The manager really puts a lot of belief in him as well. 
and he's just continuously rising to new levels. He's not the only person in the team that has done that under the manager. And I just think it's amazing to see someone like Greg Taylor really sort of taking that responsibility. Yeah, I think when we signed him, he was always a good defender. You know, he's obviously not the tallest, but I think, you know, in terms of his, his bravery, his timing, he knows how to defend. And I think what's developed under the manager is that attacking intent. And I think it must be great. You know, I was thinking when I was watching the game, somebody like Haksabanovic, who I think, again, with each passing game looks even more impressive. But for somebody like him to come in, playing on the left, and he's got Greg Taylor, you know, to, to settle him in, to play alongside him. And more often than not, Greg Taylor's popping up. It's probably no surprise that he is starting to score goals because he's always an attacking threat for us now and he's, he's on the ball so often. And I think you saw that actually last season. He was so important to the way we played. The two full, but two full backs are. Um, but I, I've been so impressed, I think. And I've heard the manager saying several times that, you know, he's a player that just, he, he wants to keep improving. He wants to, to be the best he can be. So every day he's coming in, um, I think he's thriving on the atmosphere. I think it's no coincidence that him and Callum McGregor are really good friends and I think that, that attitude that Callum McGregor has of always wanting to be the best he can be has really rubbed off on him and um, as I say, I think he's been exceptional for us this season. The other two players to score, Kyogo and Jota. Jota coming back, I think he's missed the last five games through injury but for both of those players, for your attacking players to score is always nice but it seemed like quite timely goals for both of those players as well. Yeah, there's also part of me I always think when Kyogo scores, he thinks oh, that's great, I can lead the post-match celebrations because <laughs> he obviously loves that, but it was a fantastic finish I mean, it was a great ball through from Taylor, really tight angle and a, a blistering left foot shot and that, I think that early goal helped as well because sometimes when we played there, you know, they, they kind of hang in and then hope that they'll, they'll maybe get a chance and make it difficult and the longer it goes, maybe there's a wee bit of nervousness that settled us down and it was... More often than not, it was it felt like there was ten of their players inside their own penalty and they're defending. It was a, a siege. We just the way we play, you just know there'll be chances that will come. And you know, I think three 0 was no more than we deserved. It could have been more. We obviously, missed the penalty as well. Good other chances. So it was a really, really good day. And probably certainly when you're looking at the games remaining between now and the, and the break for. Uh, the World Cup, that was maybe the toughest, the, the trickiest. We've got two home games and then an away game at, at Fur Park. Obviously the players will be focused on each of them, but again, I remember last season thinking when we won at Livingston, that was a big sort of statement we made. And again, this season, that's a game that maybe others would have been looking saying, well, that's, you could possibly see Celtic dropping points, but there was never a doubt that that was ever going to happen. Well, it's two wins in a row away to Livingston, having gone the best part of almost four years without a victory yeah. there after the earned promotion in, in 2018 to the Premiership but that was definitely the most convincing performance out of the two and out of the last sort of four and a half years because even in a game we were beating them 3-1 in March um, at the, the end of last season um, I think they'd equalised in the game we missed a penalty as well but there was it was a, a lot more tight the game again on Sunday it was just it was just one way and Livingston didn't even have didn't even have a chance of no. They've they've got so many strengths as a team, Livingston, but we didn't enable them to show that at all, which was which was brilliant to see. Yeah, I think obviously their their main hope was having Nubley up front as a physical presence to play the ball up to him. He would either hold the ball up or he would win fouls. He won a few fouls, but by and large, I thought Carter Vickers and, and Jens kept him under control. 
The problem they had was because we'd pushed them back so far that even if they managed to get the ball up to them, it was taking the rest of the players so long that we just crowded out, we won the ball back. So we, it was the way we played, we kind of pinned them back because we've seen in the past, they've always had a, a big physical striker. Remember Lyndon Dykes caused Celtic problems, but it was also because they had other players that were able to get up and support. The way we played at the weekend, they just they were so deep that there was just never a chance that that was ever going to happen. And there was, I think, there was a couple of half-hearted shots they had in the first half, and that was it. And, and Joe Hart probably had his most comfortable afternoon in a long time. Yeah, it was job done in Livingston. We'll touch on the Real Madrid game in just a moment, but looking ahead to the next league game, which is at home to Dundee United on Saturday. We've only got three league games left now before the, the split, so it really feels important that we go into that, sorry, not split the break, uh, that we go into that break getting nine points out, out of our next three games. Dundee United, a side at the moment who they lost at the weekend against Motherwell, have not had a great start to the season. We obviously had that 9-0 victory against them up at Tannadice as well. They're a tricky one though, Dundee United, because you still look at their squad and they still have a lot of really quality players in their team, but they've just not really managed to turn up yet this year. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think they actually did really well last year. And I think maybe the managerial change upset things. And they've never really got going. They've had a couple of hefty defeats. One in Europe, obviously the one to, to us, which you know was pretty catastrophic for them. And I don't think they've ever quite recovered or never not really be able to string too many results together. I think that result will be in the back of their minds when they come here. So I my guess is that they'll be looking to, to make sure that they that they don't suffer something similar again because I think we are capable of doing that to any team on our day. Particularly at home, our record at home is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's a it's a game that result will be one that our manager will say just forget about because you know, you don't want to go in, you'll not want the players to go in thinking, well, we, we won 9-0 nine, nine last time, it's going to be easy. And I don't think that the Celtic team ever do that. But certainly we, we're expecting three points on Saturday. We've found quite a nice balance at the moment between going from the league matches in, in Europe in terms of rotating the squad. The manager made three changes there at the weekend. We've seen him make five changes, seen him make six changes. And it's not had too much of an impact. So you expect him to maybe to do be doing that again against Dundee United after coming off the back of the Real Madrid game? Yeah, well, he spoke ahead of the Livingston game and he was he was talking about that and that actually and I think there's been a real and he it, again he'd indicated that in previous weeks that they've obviously got into the planning of, of this because they knew this schedule of games was coming up and it was pretty intense, so the full squad was going to have to be utilised. But in a way that meant that if a player came in, it wasn't like the first game they'd had in four weeks, so they were maybe trying to get up to speed. So every player is up to the same level. So if a player comes in, they immediately hit the ground running. And I think that that's where it's really beneficial that the style of play and the way we play doesn't change. So whoever comes in and whatever position they play, they know what they have to do because that's the way we play. And I think it's worked really well up to now that, you know, you've seen in, in past years, sometimes if a team makes too many changes, it can upset the rhythm of the team. and. But that's just not happened. There's some key players that have been playing, you know, you think maybe the spine of the team, you know, obviously Joe Hart, you've got Carter Vickers there, Matt, Matt O'Reilly and, and Rio Hatati have been in the midfield. But the other players have come in and out and everyone that's come in has looked really impressive. I think partly because it's their chance, they want to impress. So 
I'm sure there will be changes in the Bernabeu on Wednesday. I'm sure there'll be changes again in, in the other three games. And it's worked really well for us. So you've got a more or less, with the exception of, of Callum McGregor and Carl Starfelt's just back in training now, a, a more or less fully fit squad. And when you think of last season where we, we had a smaller squad and everyone was having to, to play, that's maybe where ultimately some of the injuries to maybe like Sakyogo and David Turnbull came out came about because we were asking so much of them in so many games and I think this season it's been up to now it's, it's worked really really well for us So before we get to that game on Saturday we have the trip to Real Madrid on Wednesday night in our final Champions League match uh, the first time we played at the Bernabeu in 42 years my master's right is that correct Jeff? 1980 um, it's, look, it's always going to be exciting to go to the Bernabeu to be able to see Celtic playing on that stage against Real Madrid. I think it's a draw that everybody wanted before the Champions League um, started this season. It's a tricky one though because we're going into the game, there's obviously still stuff to play for because you, you want to get three points, um, you want to test yourself, but we can't progress in Europe as well going, going forward. So how do you, for yourself as well and for the team, how do you think they're going to, how do you feel going into this one and how do you think the team are going to go into this one? I mean, obviously, the, the kind of atmosphere surrounding it is slightly different because we didn't get the victory last week, which would have meant that, you know, we would have gone there with something to play for, as in if we'd got a point, for example, we might have progressed. So that's a slightly different dynamic to it. But I think the way that we played in the previous five games is an indication of how we're going to go and play there. We're not going to go and sit in and just let uh, Real Madrid attack us for 90 minutes. Now, they are, they are top quality. They are the, the reigning you know, the, the holders of the, the Champions League, so that tells you everything about their, their quality. They're going to qualify, and they have qualified. But I think we'll go and we'll, you know, every other game we've created chances. The first hour against Real Madrid here, we were more than a match for them. And I think we'll go there. We, you know, we've got nothing to lose. We want to go and, and, you know, show what we can do. And the manager said throughout this competition, the only way you can test yourself against these teams is if you play the way you want to play. Otherwise, it's not a test because you've then changed in order to accommodate sort of what's perceived as a better opposition. So I think they've been true to the way that the manager wants us to play. It's, you know, the phrases that come to mind for this campaign is the fine margins. And, you know, that's what it's been because every game, there's never been a game where you felt we've been completely outclassed or outplayed and every game you can look back and say if we scored here we scored there now that's that is the fine margins because you know if we if we score on certain points in games it, it changes everything so I, I think it would be great to go there and, and finish the campaign with a a memorable victory but it's obviously the toughest game out of all six because you're playing Real Madrid at the Bernabeu and regardless of whether they're through they don't want to lose uh, in front of their own fans but um, I think it's it's a game I think everybody's still, even though we're going to be out of Europe, I think it's one that everybody's still excited about. Yeah, there'll be tons of Celtic fans out there as well. I'm sure they'll be there in their thousands, probably close to 10,000 10, maybe going over there. So I'm sure they'll have a good time in Madrid. But I think if you look at it, if you were to, to think, OK, what's the best possible outcome if you were to get a result? That means that we've gone over there, we've played our football, We've tested ourselves against the best in Europe and one of the 
the most difficult grounds to go to in Europe at the Bernabeu, one of the most iconic grounds as well. It means you would end the campaign on, on a victory or say even a draw. And as much as, okay, we've not qualified out of Europe, if you could come away from this having only lost three games out of six and there's three of those games that they maybe could have went either way depending on a goal, there's three games you've not lost in, that is a real sign of progression. And the confidence that that could give the team for the rest of the season, if they know we went to Real Madrid and we've picked something up or we're putting a really good performance, we've, we've done everything that we've asked for, even if you don't get the result and you've still played that well, that could be massive for the team going forward as well. Well, I think that's what the hope is, that the experience that this team, and most of the players haven't played at this level, so that experience you hope will be beneficial next year. I think when you look back at the six games, it's probably the two games against Shakhtar that are the ones that would probably, the ones that people will maybe linger on, because certainly the game over in Warsaw, we should have won that game, we absolutely dominated. And even last week, I kind of felt during the game that if we got the second goal when we were a goal ahead, we would have been fine because they don't create a lot of chances, but they'd, they've got some dangerous players, which they proved. So those are the, again, as I said, those are the fine margins. But I, I think the, the experience of playing at that level and, and knowing what it takes, and I think I think any team that, you know, a year on, it would definitely be beneficial. If we win the league and we get back in next season, it's not going to be any easier because you might have three different teams, but you're going to have three top, top European teams again. So it could be even harder next year because, you know, Real Madrid is as hard as it gets, but you might even get a tougher team than Shakhtar, for example, or a tougher team than Leipzig. But I think a year on, the players then know what it takes and, and that, that's when you hope that, that that kind of proves beneficial and we have a, an even better campaign next year. And if there is anything to take into the game, Real Madrid haven't won their last two Champions League games, lost to Leipzig away and uh, drew away to Shakhtar Donetsk. Shakhtar almost got a result at the Bernabeu as well in match day three. And on Sunday in La Liga, they drew 1-1 at home against Girona. Tony Cruz got a, a red card. So maybe everything's not completely rosy and there's an opportunity for us to go over there and just, as you said, nothing to lose. Go for it and just see what happens. Yeah, I mean, that... that cliche of goals change games, I think it's, it's absolutely applicable to the first game here against Real Madrid where for that first hour, I mean certainly the first half we were the better team, we had some great chances and you know it's, it's those fine margins of you know Callum McGregor's shot, I mean it hits the post and spins across the goal. I think, you know there's no, I'm not saying that if we score first we win because Real Madrid showed once they scored the quality that they have and it was, it was absolutely top class. But it definitely changes the dynamic of a game if we get the first goal, and I'm sure that that will be the case in the Bernabeu. If, you know, and they will know. Obviously, they're through, but they'll still know that we are capable. If you've watched any of our games this year, of creating not only creating really good chances, so it's just a, a matter of uh, taking one or two of them, and you never know. I still think about that Cal McGregor chance so often. Just the tiny, tiny margins in football. What what could have been? Um, well, before flying out to the match against Real Madrid, I caught up with Moritz Jens, who settled into life very well since signing on loan from Lorient in the summer to get his view on the game and to see how he is settling into life as a Celtic player. Yeah, delighted to say we're joined by 
Celtic's German stopper, Moritz Jens, or that's what the fans have started to call you, Mercedes Jens. Are you having it? Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I really like it. Yeah. Do you prefer Mercedes Jens or do you prefer like Moritz Benz? Or <laughs> whatever, Moritz Benz, Mercedes Jens, whatever. It's, have, it's you ever heard, have you ever had that before? Or is this the first time you've heard it? Uh, I think my, my wife showed me a picture once of a, a Mercedes with my head in it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I saw it, and now I think it's just picking up, so it's really cool. You don't have a Mercedes, do you? No. No. Surely there's like a little sponsorship deal going on there you could well, get. Well, Mercedes, uh, Glasgow, <laughs> if you want. <laughs> and if you're getting one, uh, it was my idea, yeah. so <laughs> we can get one together. I'll definitely take that. Um, we've got a big game looking forward to against Real Madrid. We'll start on that yeah. to begin with. Um, it's obviously a game we're going into where we can't qualify for Europe after Christmas, um, but still going away to Real Madrid mm. to play at the Bernabeu, you must get so much excitement as a player about that possibility. Um, yeah, first of all, you know, it's disappointing to go out in, in this manner of the group, you know. Um, but yeah, for us, it's a, it's a good opportunity again to show what we can do, you know, against the best. And uh, we'll be very excited to play in, uh, in their stadium. And I'm, uh, I'm sure there will be a lot of Celtic fans. Yeah. And it will be a fantastic atmosphere. And uh, I hope we can, we can do the best to, to get a good finale, good result in the Champions League. Yeah. See, as a football player, obviously when you're younger, you obviously dream of, of making it. Mm. Those are the types of stadiums and stages, though, that you must aspire to. So to actually get the opportunity to do that, and to try and do that in a manner of playing, attacking football and being in the front foot, it's exciting. Yeah, definitely it's exciting. Um, like you said, you're, you dream you know, of playing these games. You played uh, in FIFA you know, with the big teams. <laughs> and uh, you know, now that you play for a team that is a, a big, big club as well you know, and compete against another big club, um, it's, just, it's just fantastic. So yeah, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful <laughs> thing to have. What have you learned so far from the, the Champions League campaign? We've had five games, mm -hmm. uh, a couple of draws in there. The performances have been really good in, in most of the matches and mm -hmm. large spells of the matches as well. So as a player, what do you kind of take from the campaign so far? Um, no, I think I take, we, take, we can take as a team a lot of positives. Um, you know, when you play in Europe, it's much more different, you know, the players... Uh, they're more intelligent. It's, it's not like in Scotland where you have a lot of physical, uh, you know, attackers against you. You know, they're more more clever in their movements. You know, they rather like to spin rather than pin you and go into a fight. Um, but yeah, it was a good good to see how good we are. You know, how good uh, we are as a team and uh, how we can actually compete against the big guys also in uh, in Europe. And hopefully we can, you know, finish off in a good style and then next year return back in the Champions League and. Uh, go from there and make it even better. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I'd like to just kind of take us back to the, the summer and you signing for Celtic. Just talk us through the move and kind of how it came about and what your feeling was when you got the phone call to say, look, Celtic actually want to sign you now. Um, well, it was even the last transfer window yeah. I was supposed to come, but um, you know things didn't, didn't go that way and I was... I was disappointed because I really wanted to come and, uh, you know, at Celtic. And then suddenly Matt came here as well and I was even more annoyed by it, you know, because I was like, damn it, now he plays for this amazing club. 
I see, are you texting each other then yeah, at that yeah, point? I was, and you're I was going, texting him, I was like, I was like, I was also jealous, you know, I was like, damn, Celtic, you know, big stadium, fantastic club, you know, and, uh, you know, then, um, you know, we kept speaking, Matt kept telling me how the club is, how the, the manager is, and um, about his idea and philosophy, and, you know, you get immediately, like, uh, like, a really good feeling, you know, you get like, wow, this is a project I want to be in, this is a club I want to be in. And uh, then they obviously got in touch again, and uh, I was very happy about it because I was like, okay, this is good, you know. And uh, at the end, yeah, things went, uh, you know, the call of Ange. Yeah. Ange came as well. Um, I think Matt has been pushing a lot as well, <laughs> you know, in the club saying, oh, Moritz is a good guy. And, uh, and I spoke to the manager, and yeah, it was a fantastic talk. And for me, it was immediately like, yes, I want to. See when it didn't happen last summer. Then mm-hmm. did you think that was it? Because you then obviously go and play for Lorient as well in France. So did you just think that's it? Celtic's Celtic's done, or did you always hope and think you might get that opportunity again? Yeah, I, you know, I'd, you know, when the, I was thinking, okay, this might be, you know, it, um, because obviously you, you never know in football, you know, how things go with the the decisions at uh, at clubs. Um, but there was always like a communication between uh, you know the officials of the clubs and uh, my agent and you know there was always like this this could go you know this could go Mm -hmm. if there's a scenario it could happen and then uh, luckily it happened and they were very patient and I was very patient as well and the timing was perfect so yeah yeah I mean for yourself and your own professional career I mean, this is now only really your third season as a as a professional player. Yeah. It was only you know, last year you, had, you were in Lorient and the season before that you were in Switzerland as well. So to think back from that, if you were to think in, you were in Switzerland two years ago, you'd be in this position now. Mm. Would you have thought you'd been in this position? Do you, do you think you might need a little bit more time to, to play or what would you have thought? Um, it's a good question because um, when I was in Switzerland, I thought, oh, the first games there, I thought, oh, this is this is another step, you know, <laughs> this is extremely hard. But then I think I just got going and uh, things got better and better. And then I had a fantastic season there. And then went obviously to France and I was like, wow, now I'm moving to France, a big team, which is another like amazing step in the career and really quick, you know. Um, and then now with Celtic, you know, playing in the biggest stage in football and for a big club where you have to perform every t- every time. Um, it's still surreal, <laughs> you know, it's still very surreal because it went very quick, but it's it's really nice and it shows that, um, you know, I'm working very hard and I'm uh, very focused and, yeah, I try to improve myself every time uh, as much as I can. Yeah. yeah, I think most people know about your spell with Fulham. You joined there when you were 16, is that right? Even earlier, 13. 13? 13, yeah. How does that come about? Because born in Berlin, Mm. playing football there, how does does that happen? You end up going to film at 13? Um, Because I came from a club which is called TB Berlin. They play a lot of um, tournaments like abroad and um, in Germany against the other big German teams. And there's sometimes English teams or Spanish teams, Italian teams, and we used to play a lot against them. So I think... Okay. Someone made a note or something, luckily, in the <laughs> scouting system. And then uh, I got a call from Fulham and I said, uh, would you be interested to come and see the training ground? If you like it, we can go ahead. And after that, it was nine years of Fulham, which were 
very nice, a little bit of up and down, you know, as a young teenager. And uh, no, it was a nice time. It's a, it's a very nice club, very, very family club. And yeah, I enjoyed my time there. So 13 years old, you're getting a phone call to move to a different country, mm. to a massive city in London. Mm. What was that like actually then making the move, like for your family as well? Mm. Did they come with you? What was, what was that process like? Um, yeah, they, they came as well. Um, but it was nice because it was like a new opportunity for, the, for, for us all because, you know, in London you have more opportunity to do um, what you like to do if you want to study or if you want to look for work. So it was nice package for everyone. Um, but the first, I remember the first two, three weeks were difficult because I spoke English, but I didn't speak the, the slang, you know, of the London voice. So it was a bit like <laughs> quick and awkward and I had no idea what they were saying. <laughs> and at the beginning I was a bit like the outsider and, you know, you had to show yourself, you know, and uh, sort of break the pattern of the little groups and join in. And at the end uh, it clicked and it was Fantastic time, I have to say. And then I met Matt as well, so yeah. yeah. Did you ever have any moments, particularly in those early days, where you were just thinking, like, this culture shock is unbelievable, like a f like foods and things like that? Did you ever just think, wow, what is going on here? Um, I, be because Berlin is very multicultural, mm -hmm. uh, so we have also our culture shocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, like the, the typical English breakfast was an absolute shock for me because... It's not good for an athlete, is it? <laughs> no, no, because, because in Germany we have like bread and then like, uh, you know, um, like sort of like meat, you know, like salami and all that uh -huh, stuff, yeah. cheese and, or cereal. And then I came here and in the club there was like beans, sausage, uh, toast with butter, etc. <laughs> like really fat stuff and they eat it so much and I, the first two weeks I was like, my God, I feel like throwing up in the training <laughs> session because it's too much. So, and then you went from there to Scotland, where we deep fry everything. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but now I'm used to it, so I'm even a fan of it now. Yeah. So it's really good. It's really good. You can't eat a good breakfast. Yeah. So then your relationship with Matt, as you said, you meet him at Fulham. Hmm. Were you in the same? You're a couple of years apart. So were you yeah. in the same age groups at um, that point, or did you meet I kind of was, later on? I was in the. 16s and he was 15s but he was two years younger um, and I remember uh, I used to think oh who's this guy he's always grumpy you know <laughs> like grumpy and so 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 annoyed I want to get to know this person and then I got to know him and then suddenly I opened him up a bit and he's fantastic uh, fantastic human being and yeah since then we're such good friends you know and had a lot of moments and uh, no, it's just amazing because in football, you know, it's so, so rare that you ever have your best friend basically with you in the, in the same club. And yeah, it's like a fantastic moment. So you're the perfect person to ask then for some insights into Matt O'Reilly, what he's like away from the park. Any good stories from your time with him? Anything that stands out that you can see on camera? Uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing particular. No, Matt is um, he's a really good guy. He's, First of all, very professional, I have to say. Yeah. Very, very professional, really good-hearted person. Um, really takes care of another person. Um, there's nothing bad to say about Matt, because if you have something, you can rely on him, he will help you out. Uh, if you want to have a good time, he's the perfect person as well, you know. He's not shy to, 
you know, if you go celebrate to dance or to, <laughs> to make a laugh. So it's really, really good. So is he one of the better dancers in the group? Yes, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good footballer as well. Which yes, is always good yes, dad. Good football as well, <laughs> yeah. Your start to life at Celtic then, mm-hmm. you seem to have settled in pretty well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take us back to that debut, Ross County, away from home. Game was 1-1 at the time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then you pop up towards the end and make it 2-1, we end up 1-3-1. But mm-hmm. um, I think everyone remembers it, that game for, for your goal. What a special way to make your mark as a, as yeah, a Celtic well. player. If you just try and think back to the kind of the emotions and the feelings of, of that day, what, what kind of springs to mind? Well, first of all, I thought, well, we drive not to Ross County, <laughs> so far in the, in the <laughs> north. I was like, this is a bit uh, different to what I was experienced. But uh, no, the feeling of um, you know, scoring was incredible because you know, we needed to score. And uh, in my head, I was like, okay, this is not good enough. One one for Celtic is, is is a disaster. You know we have to uh, finish. You learned game. quickly, yeah. We have to finish <laughs> this game off. So um, no, I thought in the corner. You know, I, I I go for it. You know, really was really determined to go for it. Then I scored the goal, and then I ran into the crowd, which I always wanted to do because <laughs> I saw it always in uh, you know in the British game. You know when people go into the crowd, but I forgot that the, you can get the yellow card. Yeah. I forgot about this, so I saw on the internet a lot of people, I don't know what to say, which particular people, but they tried to tell me I should get a red card, but luckily I didn't get it. Were um, you on a booking at that point? Yes, I was on a booking. Oh, right, so okay. I think uh, CCV took me out of there. <laughs> <laughs> SFA, out. don't watch this. Yeah. <laughs> don't watch yeah. this. Don't <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, it was an amazing feeling, and at the end we won, and it was a nice help contribution to the team. Yeah, and then you followed that up. Was it the next weekend against Kilmarnock with the overhead kick? Oh yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was crazy, that was crazy. I think, I think as fans, because obviously you, you come in, yeah. I think a lot of people didn't know too much about yourself and, and mm. your career and, or, or watch too much of you. Then first two games, you're scoring headers, you're scoring overhead kicks. Mm-hmm. It's like, what type of player have we got here? Yeah. <laughs> no, it was... Uh, Against Kilmarnock, even if you see the direction of the goal, I was like, did I just do that, you know, on live football, big club? I was like, this is really happening, so it was really, really incredible. And uh, yeah, now I have to stop my goal route and maybe add another one sooner or later. But maybe yeah. to be on about. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. Uh, yeah. How, are you, how are you settling in? We can see how you're settling into life hmm. on the park. How are you settling into life? Off the park in, in Glasgow, are you enjoying yourself in the city? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I have to say it's the first time in uh, how many years I'm now away of three years now. I'm you know different teams, and the first time I really feel at home. You know, okay, like really at home. Like um, the city is you know really good. It's it's big. There's a lot of things to do. You know, for me and my wife to go out. You know, meet friends. You know. Also, good places to eat, you know, the people are nice, nice, more nicer than in the south, I have to say, you know, <laughs> much more nicer and uh, no, I feel really at home, you know, the, the fans, you know, even if you see them on the street, it's not, it's not like, um, like normally yeah, some fans uh, give you space, yeah, you know, yeah, but they're really respectful, you know, yeah. they're really patient and they're really good people and they appreciate what you do and that's what you dream of as a player, you know, to please the fans, you know. What's a, what's a typical day off then looking like for you? What, 
What's your interest? What do you like to do away from the, mm. the park? Um, depends what mood I am then. If it's after the game and I'm really tired, then I sleep. <laughs> I sleep long and let uh, wake up later. Or if I'm uh, like have energy, I go out with my my wife for brunch. Um, take the dogs for a walk or I don't know, meet yeah. some friends. Yeah, nice nothing, and nothing special, you know, yeah. just normal. Yeah, are you a big foodie? Yes. Yeah, I like to eat. <laughs> I like to eat. <laughs> well, you run enough anyway to burn yeah. it off, so that's that's worth it. Yeah. Um, so what we'll do is we'll get some. Anytime we've got a guest on, mm-hmm. we have um, fans asking, sending some questions. Okay. So I've got a few of them cool. to go through just now. Um, so first of all, we've got CFC Liam Four, who's saying, "What is your favourite moment in a Celtic jersey so far?" Oof. Well, there's a few. It's a few, it's difficult. I would say the signing was special. And then standing in Celtic Park, you know, that mm-hmm. was special with the shirt for the first time. Um, Ross County, that goal was special, that game. Mm. You can let it's, you ha- it's, hard, it's hard because every yeah. moment for me is special here, you know? Like, I cherish every moment that I have in this club. Like it's really like I have to be honest. It's yeah. Sounds a bit like you know too much, but for <laughs> me, I really cherish every day I'm I'm here. I have to say. Perfect. So, that's the yeah, best answer we can get. Answer. Uh, this one's a little bit different. Um, it's at Celtic Central eighty eight. Said, mm-hmm. what's the strangest food combo that you enjoy? Food combo. Yeah. So like a combination of foods, or what's your favourite type ah, of food? Ah, the strangest. Yeah. Um, Normally I can't say this, but I like pineapple pizza. But my wife is Italian, so I hope she doesn't watch this. <laughs> so this is this is my okay. Yeah, she does watch this, right? You go home tonight. What's she saying to you? She's gonna insult me in Italian. <laughs> I we probably have to be with Alex. She would say to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all know what that means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, that's what uh, Earth Eight Castle Three said. What's the better feeling, scoring a goal or stopping one? Stopping one. Yeah? Yeah, first. Even though those, that goal against Ross Kent? Stopping one, stopping one. Okay. Because for for defender, the best look is if you have a clean sheet, no? Yeah, yeah. So that's for me, that's for me like a hat-trick. Okay, so okay. Yeah. Um, this one is from at Roof's Moose Boy. It's a hard one to say. Um, <laughs> which central defender in world football did you admire growing up? Uh, two, I admire Bonucci and Boateng. Um, yeah, because Ball Tank, for example, was at the same club that I grew up in, in, uh, in, in Berlin. And um, he went to England as well, and they followed, you know, when he went to Bayern Munich. And he's just a great player, you know, very successful, and Bonucci the same. Successful in the, in the highest level and still consistent, you know, there. So you, you always want to be also up there, so I mm-hmm. admire them. So hopefully you never know i work very hard and step by step if i can make it then it would be also a fantastic achievement to be like them Brilliant. and the last one here comes from at doogie boy who says with the world cup looming who's your favorite ever german player my favorite ever german player uh, well i have to say Boateng, mm-hmm. but i like really really much thomas Müller. Like underrated do you think yeah yeah for, i think he's the best player in the in the national team yeah like yeah. four years 
It was, it was funny when he ended up, he got dropped as well for yeah, two years. Yeah, it, it, it was very funny because for me, I still thought he was the best. Yeah. He's, he's very particular. If you see him, like, the movement and everything, but technically he's good, intelligent. Like, he's, for me, he's fantastic. I, I, just, I love his goal celebrations because he just does nothing it's else just apart like, just like, <laughs> yeah. And, like, jumping. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, to end on, yep. I'll give you a bit of pre-warning for this. Um, we always end on a, a quick-fire quiz, 60 seconds on the clock. Um, so it's questions about something like Celtic this season, a bit about your career. So far, the top score is eight, and that was Cameron Carter-Vickers. So you need to beat him because you're both <laughs> your central defender <laughs> okay. partner. So I'm going to stick 60 seconds on the clock on my watch here, if I can get this to work. Okay, I, have to sh- I have to do quickly. Yes, yeah, quick. Although... I've maybe only got like 13 questions, so don't go past that. No one else, no one has before. Okay. Um, so Probably yeah. just the one and <laughs> get stuck by one. <laughs> right, you ready? Yeah. Right, three, two, one. You made your professional debut against which side? Ross County. No, in, oh, no, fo- oh, in, in football? Uh-huh. Uh, Sever Genève. Yes. Uh, you scored your first professional goal against which side? Sion. Yes. You scored your first Celtic goal against Ross County in a 3-1 win. Who, what other two players scored in that game? Uh, Jaco Marquis? No. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, 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 you got it wrong, so you probably have to move on. Yeah, now. I can move on. Um, you're the sixth German player to play for Celtic. Can you name one other? Uh, Tone. Yes. Um, who's the only Celtic player in this current team to have played in Germany? In Germany? Ah, Gucci. Yes. Um, you and one other Celtic player in this team have also played in Switzerland. Who's the other player? Ben Sigrist. Yes. Uh, who was Celtic playing the League Cup semi-final in January? What are they called? Um, um, wait, wait. Next, 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 next. next. All right, okay. You're getting <laughs> one more. You won't pass oh. a minute. I'll give you one more. Um, who scored more goals this season in the League? Kyogo or Giacomakis? Giacomakis? I just said because I thought of <laughs> yesterday's pa- I thought about the penalty of the game so I thought yeah it's not great wait semi-final was don't tell it's me don't tell me uh, I just know Hamden Park but I mm-hmm. don't know do you want me to tell you who just the first letter K Ach Kilmarnock yes mine god it's a long way away hey, we've got plenty of football before then we've got plenty of football before then Right, thank you so much for joining thank us. I really you. appreciate it. And all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you. Yeah, great to hear from Maurice Jens there. Now, Paul, on the weekend, there was action for the women's team and for the B team, both of them on the end of defeats. We'll start off with the women's team on Sunday evening, playing away to Glasgow City. We spoke in last week's podcast about this probably being their first real big test in the league. Both Celtic and Glasgow City had had 100% starts to the league campaign. Losing to a narrow 2-1 defeat with a late goal. It's going to be a real disappointment for, for Fran Alonso's side, that one, won't it? Especially, I think, on the, on the back of getting knocked out of the cup as well, which, again, was a, was a, a tough, you know, losing in, in the penalty shootout as well so that that was quite tough and I think you, you know when when you look back at that game at the weekend 
mean, both sides had chances. You know, Glasgow City, again, it was it was our toughest test in the league and they, they showed that. They certainly put us under pressure at various points, but we get back into the game in that last 15 minutes. It, it could have gone either way, so when it gets to the, the 90th minute, you're, there's probably an element of both managers thinking, right, well, if we get away with one, one apiece, that's fine because there's still a lot to play for. And to lose a kind of scrappy scramble goal inside the box, to lose all three points, that, you know, it's a real blow, but... You know, there's nothing else. The players have just got to pick themselves up because there is so much football still to be played. And, you know, there's nothing really, I think, between the, the top three teams to choose from this season in the league. But it's just when they play each other, it's important to, to get something from those games so you don't allow a gap to open up in the league. The women's team now have three weekends before their next match. So I know in terms of this last seven days of football, the, the cup game against Spartans, in the game against Glasgow City, there was a lot of emphasis put on that. The League Cup game, it's an opportunity to go and defend the title they won last season. And if they want to try and challenge for the league this year, they know they're going to have to pick up results against the likes of Glasgow City and Rangers. So it's a disappointing week for the women's team. But I suppose that's where you get to see the real strength and character of the team when they do come back for that match against Hearts in, in three weeks' time. What team comes out from that break to see how they respond from it? Yeah, I'm always interested to because quite often when you when you speak to players after a defeat, they actually want to to play as soon as they can because they don't want it to linger. So that's I suppose that's the downside of of losing at the weekend and then they've got three weeks to think about it. But at the same time, it means then they'll come back hopefully three weeks time fresh and, and determined to just kick on again. It's it's still so early in the season. They've still got a lot of games to go, so you know I'm sure there's still a lot of confidence within the squad, and you know there's nothing else to do. You just need to bounce back and and get back to winning ways. And then the next time when we play either Glasgow City or Rangers, we just want to make sure that we are the ones that are, you know, get that late winner to take all the points. As you said, there is still so much football to play, and I think all three of those teams will probably take points off each other throughout the campaign. So. I don't think it's a stage of the season yet to be too disheartened. There's been one defeat in the league after a 100% start. So um, hopefully when they come out of that, that three-week break, they can they can come back stronger and, and, and get start sort of getting those results again against those teams. Because they showed it last season against Glasgow City and Rangers in the cup competitions that they can beat them. They did beat them in those games. So um, it's, just, it's just one of those occasions that, on, on Sunday. Um, in terms of the, the B team, Paul... They were also in action in the league. Um, they lost 4-2 to the Cumbernauld Colts. It's an interesting game though because they were went 1-0 up after two minutes, then Uno 2 got a red card after four, then went 2-0 up. And I suppose it must just have been one of those occasions where playing with, with a, a man down for that length of time, it just kind of caught up with them. I mean, that's effectively playing the whole game with, a, with, with 10 men, basically. So... That's always going to be difficult, and it, I mean it was credit to them. They actually took the the two goal lead, and we, you know they would have been. I, I still think they'd have been disappointed that you know to eventually go down four two. But I suppose that is the the difficulty over ninety minutes. If you're playing, you would expect most teams then to to be able to use that to their, their advantage, and you know to to get a red card so early in the game, it, it kind of I suppose everything that they're set up to do and all the plans 
for for the week leading into the game, immediately has to readjust because, as you say, they, they take that early lead, so it gives them a real boost, and then suddenly everything has to change. So, I, I, as always, these things are, are great learning experiences because then that's how I'm sure the coaches are looking and saying, well, how did those players, how did they cope with that? How did they adapt to what we were asking them to do? And you know, they'll, they'll take the positives and negatives from performance and attitude, etc. And in that game, they've also got another uh, challenging week ahead. So that, that the whole, again, part of that will be looking and see how they bounce back from that. Yeah, it's a big week for them because they too have Real Madrid in, the, in their final UEFA Youth League match. So far, their campaign, they've, they've got one win um, away to RB Leipzig. Um, it's an opportunity for them again, a bit like the first team, to go out in that final game and try and test themselves against the best at that age group and, and see what they can do. The first game against Real Madrid was a really sort of difficult afternoon. They again went down to 10 men in that game. The weather was atrocious and Real Madrid on, on that occasion really did, did show their qualities. But as a group, I'm sure at that age, you must just be so excited to get that opportunity to travel to Madrid and to play against them. I also think there'll be an element of wanting to put on a better showing. I, I, I think there was extenuating circumstances in that game. I still think the, the red card in that game was so harsh because it felt as if the referee didn't take into account. I don't think it was a particularly bad challenge or you know the fact that they were almost playing in a swimming pool at the time, that the weather was absolutely, as you say, atrocious. In the end, it was a really hefty, I think it was 6-0 defeat. So I, I, I think that the players will be determined to, to go there and show the best of themselves. They are playing one of the top youth sides in Europe, you know, so these, that's the challenge that they face. But again, you, they have to go there with, with no fear and, and play the way that they're asked to play and, and just see what happens in the game. And then at the weekend, they play open goal Broomhill, a team that a lot of people have been talking about this season in the Lowland League with Simon Ferry there as their, their manager and, and all the sort of the media stuff that they do in, on uh, their channels. So they're actually going, they lost at the weekend open goal Broomhill, but so far this campaign, they've started to pick up a lot of results. I think they're sitting third or fourth in the table now. Um, certainly was third before the weekend's action. So again, that'll be another difficult test because if anyone's watched any of their stuff, they certainly talk about how they like to play their football. I mean, there'll be, in Lowland League terms, a bit of a media circus around that because of the whole Open Goal podcast and everything. I think they've maybe surprised and pleasantly surprised a lot of people because I think maybe some people, when, when they took over uh, Broomhill, maybe people thought it was just part of a, a media strategy and it was more just for, for a show. But actually, I think if you watch anything, uh, you know, Simon Ferry, for example, takes his football, they take their football very seriously and they've, they've assembled a decent squad there and the plan is, and the ambition is to get promotion and to follow Bonnie Rigrose into the to League Two. Simon Ferry was obviously here when he was younger. He was a, a, I mean, he was a cracking guy. He was, he was a lovely young guy to deal with in terms of the Celtic view. Really good player. He was very, very, I thought he was very unlucky with injuries when he was here because he had real talent in the, in the middle of the park. So I'm delighted to see He's, he's doing well. I think he's a really good guy. Um, so I think it's an interesting thing that they're doing. But I think primarily, I think now people are seeing that actually it's about the football for them. As you say, they're third or fourth in the league. They're in the third round of the Scottish Cup. If they beat Aloha, 
and they're in the draw and potentially they, they could be playing here. So that's their ambition as a, as a football club, which is quite interesting. And obviously everything else that goes around it in terms of their, their podcast, they do a, a kind of documentary thing, just charting the season. But Celtic have to go there and just block out all that noise. It's still out. It's a game of football. And it's a game of football that we we want to win. So that's that's got to be the primary focus for us. Yeah, I think it will be interesting. And I'm sure that Simon Ferry, with his links to, to Celtic and Paul Slane and things, playing against Celtic, that will probably be quite a big game for them as well in terms of that connection to the club. So it should be interesting. Because I've always felt, you know, that idea when, when people say, just in general terms of, you know, say a Celtic fan was playing against Celtic, as if other other fans might say, oh, I won't try. I, I think it's the complete opposite. If you were playing, so whether, you know, as them, as, as maybe Celtic fans, their team's playing against Celtic, or if you were a Celtic fan playing against Celtic, you would try even harder because you want to try and show I'm good enough to play for Celtic. So yeah. actually, I I think that's what will be tough for the B team at the weekend because I'm sure Open Goal, Broomhill will be they'll be wanting to to make a mark and and try and make some headlines and beating Celtic. But I think you know this you know young Celtic team, as I say, I think they've just got to focus on what they can do and and are good enough. You know they are good enough to beat them. So that's what you you need to hope for. Here's a question for you. You're playing for an opposition team at Celtic Park, 90th minute, and you score the winning goal. Are you not celebrating because it's at Celtic Park against Celtic, or are you tops off and running around the stadium? Listen, if any team's giving me a game at the age of 56, <laughs> I'm, I'm celebrating. You've so. had one game of buys back, and I've already got you playing at Celtic uh, Park. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I have no problem actually. At, it slightly annoys me sometimes when players don't celebrate a goal. I know that they, you know there are sometimes circumstances. If somebody's spent twenty years at a club or whatever, then maybe I don't think I don't think it's disrespectful because you're playing for the team. Scoring goals is what football's all about. So I, I've never a problem if somebody celebrates. Not kind of Craig Beattie style running round a lap of Hamden because that's that's more than just celebrating a goal. I don't know what was going on there, but. Um, so I don't have a problem with that, but you know, I'm even too old to dream about these things now. It's just, uh, it's, it's a sad loss for Scottish well, football. It's when you see players like I remember, I remember Salah scored against Chelsea for Liverpool, and he hardly got a kick at Chelsea, and he scored, and he's doing like, no, like I'm not celebrating the things. And it's like, come on, like the, the club didn't even want you. They let you go. You've went, you've went back there and scored against them. I'd be going mental. I think there's an awkwardness. I mean, I remember when Henrik scored for Barcelona, which I think was just devastating for all of us. But I think there was more an awkwardness because he, <laughs> di he didn't really know what to do because he'd scored so many goals for us. And and so you can understand that, particularly since that was his first time back and he'd only played for us a few months ago. But let's say somebody scoring a goal and then actually properly celebrating, I, I, I have no problem with that. But uh, unfortunately, that's not, it's never <laughs> going to be me. Well, one thing that we didn't really do too much over the weekend was celebrate with our predictions from last week. Um, what we're sitting at at the moment, so we had seven games in last week. Myself, uh, yourself, and one of the supporters went up against each other. And out of the seven games, all three of us only got one game right in terms of the score. Shocking. I got one correct scoreline right, so I got three points for that. I got uh, the 3-0 win over... Livingston correct, um, which was which was quite good because I was nervous actually thinking three 0 because Livingston is always really difficult to go to. So I was kind of toying. I was like, I think we'll do well, but you know, past experiences don't really prove that. And I'm a I'm a sort of 
not giving Livingston enough credit, but got it right. So we'll take that. Um, so at the moment, I'm still bottom. <laughs> um, 15 points. The supporters are in 18 uh, and you're in 24. Um, so this week we've got Scott Gibson on for the fans to play along. And yeah, if, if you ever want to get involved, do get in touch with us because every week we do need a supporter to, to play with us. And, um, and you but, can't do any worse than Ryan. No. <laughs> well, you know what? I got... You only got one point, fans got one point last week, I got three. So hopefully this is now for myself, the just on. chipping away the comebacks on. Yep. So this week we've got another seven fixtures and we'll start off with, well, where else would the Bernabeu? Yeah, we're Celtic. Well, it's, I mean, we've already spoke about the, the game, how tough it's going to be. I think it's going to be two each. I think there's going to be goals. I think every game, as I say, every game we've played in the Champions League, we've created chances. I think this is going to be the one where we're going to we're going to get a couple of goals, but I think their quality is such, and particularly at home, they'll they'll not want to lose. So I'm going to go for two all. So I'm also going for a draw. I'm going for one each. Um, Real Madrid, as we mentioned, their form hasn't been perfect on their side of things, and then drawn against Girona at home will obviously hurt them. Benzema was out injured. Don't know if he's going to be back for the game against us. So, go for it, one each. And uh, Scott is going for a 2 on one for Celtic. Excellent. So, that would be that'd be amazing oh, if we can get that. Um, for the Bees, also going to Madrid to play Real Madrid in the Youth League. I'm going to go for two each again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, in some respects, I think that's an even tougher game for Celtic, just because I think, I think the quality of that Real Madrid youth team is there for all to see, and it's, we've got a very young Celtic squad. But again, last game, just go for it. And I, I can't bring myself to predict us to lose anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scott's going for for one each in that game as well. Um, I don't know to be honest. Like it's see if you were to, see if you were just to look at the game, the first game against Real Madrid um, in, in the youth league, and if we spoke about there was extenuating circumstances in the match. But they did look really good, you know. So I don't know. I, I think it, I think it will be tough for Celtic, and I think I think Real Madrid might just edge it two one um, in in that game. Sorry, two 0 I've went for in that game. Um, don't like don't like saying it, but and you'll not take any pleasure if you're no there. no no. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just Real Madrid did look did look really good. I mean, they they, they were all massive. Like every single one of them looked over six foot. They looked like big massive guys, and it was. They played really well in that game, but fingers crossed they can they can go over into it. Um, but I need to start taking this seriously if I want to get more <laughs> points and get back to it. So I'm sorry. Um, second with the bees in their game against Broomhill at the weekend in the Lone League Open Goal. That, as I said, I think there's there'll be a bit of a media circus surrounding that one. I'm going to go one each. Okay, one each. Uh, Scott's went for two now, and I'm going to go for three two to Celtic. There's going to be plenty of goals in it. It's just going to be a game that both teams are probably up for. Um, a good test for both sides, so it's 3-2 to Celtic. Um, for the first team, uh, against Dundee United on Saturday in the league. Will we get an R9-0? You know, it's tempting to predict that just in case, but no, that's. I don't think we'll get nine. I think it will be... I'm going to go for 6-0. 6-0? Okay, yeah. Uh, I've went for five and Scott's went for four, so along the way one of us will get that one right. 
yeah, as you mentioned, United will they be a little bit scarred from the 9-0 game and be wanting to come here and just trying to camp in. And we're playing so well, so 5-0. Um, so we've got three games left. I've got one game from our Premiership, two from the English Premiership, because there's a couple of tasty games down there. Um, so first off in Scotland, Aberdeen against Hibs, which is actually on Friday night. And that's third versus fourth. Um, I mean, Aberdeen, I think some Celtic fans maybe hoped that they would do as a turn last weekend, but you know, I can't help feeling that Jim Goodwin talks the talk, but... I'm not sure if his team's walk the walk. I think there was a certain, certainly from his post-match comments, a certain naivety about how he approached the game. Um, I think they're quite good attacking. I think Aberdeen, they'll, so they'll always get goals this season and they'll, they'll win more games. They'll be comfortably in the top six this year, which is an improvement on last season. But I think they'll struggle against, certainly I think we're going to hammer them one of the games this year. Um, I am going to go for 2-1 Hibs, actually. I think Hibs are a better team, I think. And they'll, again, I think as the season goes on, I think they'll settle down. Uh, so I think Hibs are going to beat, beat them. Both teams, I have got no idea what's going to turn up with them because I've watched Hibs, I've watched them here, and we absolutely dismantled them 6-1. I've had games at home where I thought, oh, easy win, and they've drawn. The weekend there, I predicted them to draw two each with St Mirren. They win 3-0 quite comfortably, lost to St Johnson on the weekend before that. And then again with Aberdeen, you're going, they ended up getting beat 4-0 against Dundee United, who haven't been doing great this season. I think I then predict them to maybe lose or draw the next game. And then they won really convincingly. She's got no idea what's turning up with either team. Um, but I'm going to go for a Hibs win as well, 1-0 to Hibs. I think it might be quite a, a tight game um, and they might just have that little bit extra to, to get them through it. Um, although Martin Boyle went off injured for them at the weekend, so I don't know how if he'll be fit for this and he'll be a worry for Australia, um, which will be a big blow for Hibs. And Scott's also going for a 2-0 win for Hibs, so none of us have any faith in Aberdeen <laughs> for that one. Um, two games left. Um, Sunday at 12 o'clock is Chelsea against Arsenal. That's... Uh... It's a, it's a big test for Arsenal, I think. I think they've they've certainly impressed this season and they've you know, even in some of the big big tests, Chelsea kinda of hit or miss. I think they're still you know, they they get absolutely hammered by Brighton at the weekend and I think he's still trying to find there's been a couple of times where he's started a certain formation had to change it because it's not worked, it's sort of against Manchester United. I'm gonna say Arsenal are gonna win that two one. Yeah, I'm also going for 2-1, and Scott's going for 3-1 to Arsenal. Um, yeah, pretty much similar reasons. I think Potter said in the weekend against Brighton that he was almost kind of expecting the result of that to happen at some point because they've went, they have went like seven or eight games undefeated. It wasn't going to last forever, um, and he's still kind of trying to find his way. But I think Arsenal have kind of got it back then because of what they've done this season. And if they can go and get a result away from home against one of these teams, then that's a big marker for them. So I expect them to do it. And then finally, on the Sunday, is Tottenham against Liverpool. Again, two teams, you've got no idea. Yeah, I mean, I think Spurs, they're not a great team to, to watch. I don't think uh, I don't think Antonio Conte's teams ever are. But they have some phenomenal strikers, and so they'll always get goals. Liverpool... They, I don't know what it is. It's, you know, you saw against Manchester City when it does click. They're a really good team, but you know that's a couple of games 
They lost against Forest, they lost at home to Leeds, but it's just not quite sort of slipping into place. I I think Spurs will win that 2 0. 2 0. Um yeah, Scots went for one each. I've I think I'm gonna go for two each. What I've I've put down here, I was I was swithering whether or not to go for Spurs there. Um just a, a last minute change, but I think I'll stick I think I'll stick with the two each. Just just with the thinking that Liverpool because it is a big game and they've shown a couple of times in the big games this season they can step up, so will they do it? And Spurs you just they're conceding quite a few, but they're scoring and two teams, no idea, so go for a draw. Simple as. <laughs> um, but yeah, it should be should be an interesting game anyway, and yeah, hopefully we'll have a, a few more interesting games from all the Celtic teams to talk about next week. Um, Paul, thanks very much for, for joining us and, and thank you for, for listening along to another episode of the Celtic View podcast and do join us again next week. Mm-hmm.